0: Welcome to The Garden Pod. This episode is great for anybody interested in maths, whether you're a teacher, a parent, um, a student even, and about how maths should can be taught within school and what we can do at home as parents to help our students be successful in maths. Um, This is something that's great for me as somebody who struggled with maths um, at school. Um, We're talking to a lady called Liz Gibbs. Liz is a consultant who's come and joined us Uh, ...in the school for a couple of days from the UK. Uh, She's fairly world-renowned and has worked with many of the biggest schools in the region. Um, Her website, if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about Liz... ...is uh, thebusylizzy.co.uk, so a great name for the website too. Um, And a lot of her work is on there and also contact details... ...should you wish to involve her in your school or or find out a little bit more. Um, So we were very lucky to spend half an hour or so with Liz... Uh, and ask lots of questions around maths. I also invited um, a colleague called Kerry Conlon onto the garden pod this week because she's a mathematician and is far better equipped than me to ask some key questions to Liz and get the most out of this discussion. Um, so you'll hear Kerry as well, and it's great to have another voice on the, on the pod bit of housekeeping. Uh, Made some big claims about a microphone last time. We've got a new microphone. I'm not convinced it's making any difference to the sound quality, so I apologise for that. Um, And we will will see what we can do to improve it. At the moment, we're on fairly low-tech type of stuff here, but um, bear with us, and hopefully it's listenable too. Uh, And of course, um, probably don't say this enough, if you like what you hear, or if you think other people would benefit from it, there's something in there that might float somebody's boat then please share either via iTunes uh, Apple Podcasts SoundCloud, email, Whatsapp Facebook, etc, Twitter etc, etc, etc that would be appreciated of course we make this for people to listen to I guess if people <laughs> don't there's no point um, so that's it from me, um, so I will pass over to Liz Gibbs and Kerry Condon. Primarily. All right, Uh, welcome to of The Garden Pod. Exciting times for me because I've got my first ever co-host sitting with me. I'm going to introduce Kerry. Hi, Kerry. Hi. Do you want to introduce yourself and what you do in the school?
1: Yep, Um, my name's Kerry Conlon. I'm a maths teacher. teach all years from year seven up to year 13. Um, Been here two years now really
0: enjoying it. Perfect thank you very much and if you don't mind me saying so Kerry even more important is we've got a special guest here who's from outside of school who's come from the UK uh, Yorkshire, is that right, Liz?
2: Well, I'm from Yorkshire, I live in East Anglia. <laughs> there you go. Uh,
0: now, Liz, Liz Gibbs is a maths expert and consultant who's joining us at school to, to help us learn a bit more about how we should teach maths and, and what we should be focusing on. Liz, would you mind just introducing yourself and a bit of your work and what you do?
2: Okay, well, I'm a teacher and a learning consultant, and I still teach. I teach children all over the world, really, um, and sometimes in the evenings um, when that allows. Um, and um, I teach teachers I teach teachers how to uh, teach mathematics better
0: fantastic and you've been with us for three days
2: Um, yes three days we came to run a a course for teachers from the wider community and then uh, yesterday and today I've been supporting the staff here
0: Great. And what would you say you've been looking at with our staff in particular? Has there been a focus? Uh,
2: The focus has been manipulatives. Um, In other words, manipulatives resources, teaching and learning resources, to help uh, the children see the mathematics better, to see it going on, to help their explanation. So I've been helping the teachers with that.
0: Fantastic. Now, one of the reasons we've got Kerry here is I'm woefully inequipped. To discuss mathematics. I think I stop at about seven times eight. So I've brought Kerry <laughs> in who's going to um, hopefully ask some better questions than I could possibly ask you um, around math. So, and Kerry, have you got anything that you want to jump in with first? or just, just like um,
1: just... No, obviously I've been on the training today. Um, I'm secondary school based and there'll be people that argue that manipulatives and hands-on and games are mainly for primary school age children and that by the time they get to secondary we should be into expert work and just doing question after question is that something that you would agree with or not
2: Um, I think there's a blend by the time they get to secondary. I think in the primary phase they need manipulatives right the way through from early years right the way through to those children that are 10 and 11 years old. Um, When they transition to um, secondary school they will still need that. They'll need to, like for today we were looking at algebra. Now algebra if you say that to a parent um, or a teacher who has not used manipulatives before they'll be thinking of A or N or X and they'll be writing things down in the abstract. Um, There is resources help to make uh, it more uh, visible to the children so they can see what you're trying to achieve. um, And they make those connections much quicker. And they're better connections because they'll stay with them. Um, If you do it, you'll remember it. If you're told it, you're more likely to forget it. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you mind if I just jump in on a slight language thing there? Yeah. So both of you use this term manipulatives very confidently Mm -hmm. and as a non uh sort of math specialist or somebody who's been to the training, I'm not sure that I would be totally comfortable with what you mean by that. So maybe just a, a brief explanation for,
2: for okay. the in, uninitiated
0: about what you mean by So training.
2: manipulatives could be um, little cubes that you link together. Mm. Um, it could be counters Mm. Um, we were um, doing some work with a, a specific resource called Numicon that parents can get hold of as well. So that makes the numbers visible. So the Numicon piece is a, a number seven Numicon is bigger than a three because seven is bigger than three. Mm. Um, so it's, it just helps make the, the learning visible. So
0: something physical. Something
2: physical you can actually connect
0: Or disconnect, um, you know. Yeah. So that—that's now I see why you asked your question. Mm. So often I won't see that kind of stuff. I do a learning walk, for example, in maths. Not I probably would here, uh, but certainly in previous schools. So um, why do you think that gets lost as we go into secondary school sometimes?
2: I think previously we've, we've always seen manipulatives being in uh, for the lower children in the lower year groups, so for the um, the, the nursery, kindergarten, uh, five to seven age bracket, and as soon as they go into that next phase in the primary, um, historically we've always said to children, oh you don't need that now, you're a bit more grown up, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and sometimes the teachers haven't known the value of it either, to be fair, and that's the whole idea of the, the uh, continued professional development that goes on here at the school Um, but actually we were looking at things like uh, multiplication and factors and the algebra and actually you need more manipulatives more resources as the children get older and they they go through that journey in their mathematics because the the uh, concepts you're trying to teach are more sophisticated
0: Would you, Kerry, would you think that that was true in your experience? Yeah,
1: definitely so. I think there's been emphasis on the past and just learning skills. This is the process and this is what you do. But actually, if you dig deeper, students have no idea why we do it. Mm. I think, and the manipulatives really help to see this is the reason why it works. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of the hands-on type maths. <laughs> so, but could
0: you, just, you give an example of what that might look like in a, uh, your you're coming to primary and secondary or I'm, I, I'm mainly uh, primary so in a year sort of my daughter let's go my daughter she's year four
2: mm-hmm. so
0: what might a year four maths lesson a high quality maths lesson look like
2: Oh crikey! So um, it depends on the area of maths. I mean, we were talking multiplication today, mm-hmm. weren't we? So that would be a good one, and it's quite topical at the moment. Um, a lot of children know their times tables; they know them, they can say them by rote, and that that's that's great. I've got no problem with that. You'd need some of that factual um, stuff, but there was a, a little girl that I was working with. She was a little bit older than your daughter, a Year Five. Um, And her table's knowledge was superb. Um, But when I said, well, what does 7 times 3 look like? How do I get to 7 times 3? She couldn't tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I've done lessons um, similar to that in the past, I'll ask the children sort of, where they are in their their learning, what do they know about tables and they usually tell me the answers quite quickly. But then when I ask them to to show me what seven times three looks like, they can't. So I'm looking for three lots of seven or I'm looking for seven lots of three. Um, And as children get older, we then look at the distributive law, so we're then looking at being flexible with that seven. So that seven can be split into a four and a three. So I could be then saying, right, uh, three times seven could also be three multiplied three times in a brackets, plus three, um, um, sorry, four multiplied by three in a closed bracket, and they would still make 21.
0: Okay. Yeah. So they're more agile with...
2: They're more flexible. They're, they're, they're seeing uh, mathematics. We're expecting the children to see more mathematics more um, fluid uh, so that the children... Uh, play with the numbers more. And play sounds like a, a, a very childish, not very important, but mm-hmm. it is important for them to make those connections and have those inner conversations in their head. I wonder what would happen if I put this piece of a resource together or these counters together
1: um, to help in their, making them the connections in their learning. Yeah. Going back to times tables, I mean, times tables is always a bit of an issue in the secondary school. We're like, these students don't know their times tables. And then we're like, well, these, these students are in year seven. Is it worth us ploughing on, making sure those students know their times tables? Or does there come a time where we go, OK, if we've not learnt them by now, we just leave it? What, What is your thoughts on times mm-hmm. tables? Should students know them? And by what age should they know them? Would all students know them?
2: What do you think? Okay, so back in the UK, we've got a times tables test coming on online. Um, so uh, children that are in year four should know their tables up to ten times ten. Um, the thing is, with with tables, you can chant them uh, and won't know how multiplication works. Mm-hmm. So. It's useful to know tables, it's useful to have those benchmarks, um, but it's also useful to be able to derive them. So that's what's happening in the the primary phase, but now we've got a a test in the UK. A lot of children are getting quite anxious about that now, so that's a a bit of a worry. I've taught in the primary sector, and I've also taught in the early secondary because I've taught in the the middle schools. And so I've been in the middle schools, and the curriculum is very different in the middle school. So uh, in in the middle school curriculum, you don't have time to read visit times tables. So they're making the assumption that by the end of uh, that final year in primary that certain things are already in place mm-hmm. and so that you will build on that in that next phase of the child's learning. So I don't think the... Physically, there will be time in a timetable for teachers to then teach times tables to secondary age pupils. There's that expectation that they ought to be known. Or if they're not known, most of them known and they can derive it. So one of the things that I would expect as a basic is I'd expect everybody to be able to double, everybody to multiply by 10. Um, and know that ten, 10 times something, if I wanted to know 5 times something, it's half of 10 times something. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And the square numbers. So if you've got these little benchmarks of times tables knowledge, and then you can then derive your table so you know how multiplication works. So if I wanted to know 3 times something, i know double it and then add one more lot. Mm. Are you with me? Yeah, so yeah. Or I could do 5 or 6 times and know 10 times. So if I halve it, I'll get 5 times. Add one more lot. And I'm
1: at
0: six times. Correct. Yeah. I've got. I'm going to pick up on something you said there, because it's an interest just for me personally, I think. Um, but so we get to secondary, and they don't know their times, or they don't have that grounding that we might talk about, and then this idea of the test is coming up, or we don't have time in the middle school curriculum. Mm. And I know that mastery is a word that I want to get onto because that's not a word that you that's linked to you quite a lot. Um, that seems a strange thing for me that a secondary teacher or a school would say. We know they need it, but we haven't got time to do it. So we're not going to spend the time to go back and do it before we move on to the next bit. Am I missing something there? Is, is that my is that my ignorance of maths or is that is a that
2: majority not? of children will meet the expected right. outcome? So it's it's usually the children that struggle with maths, hmm. um, and so I, I know that when they go in, in into secondary, they're expected to know it, and a m- majority of those children will know enough to. Um, keep on going, it's
1: not an issue it's more of an issue for the, the children that struggle a bit more with maths,
2: okay. I would say
1: and then I say to my students, as long as right, you don't know your times tables, but do you have a strategy to get there, you can't just Perfect. go I don't know it, mm. well, what are you going to do Even if it means just listing down your seven times table and you're counting, whatever you're doing you need to have a way, you can't just give up you've got to know mm. what you're going to do counting in multiples it. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: so if I said my daughter should know times tables by the end of this year You'd be, a, you'd be a fan of that, as long as that's not the only thing that she's doing? Or is that is that, again, too simplistic?
2: Oh, oh crikey. <laughs> she's, got, she's got to know them by the end of year four. Well, I mean, back in the UK, that's what's expected. Mm. Um, and it's going to just be a five-minute test. Mm. And so there's a lot of preparation for this, just five minutes. But that could be just rote-learn. It could be just rote-learn. <laughs> mm. it's, it's, it's like some, some of the children that I meet, they, they can rote-learn something and they can parrot mm. um, facts but it doesn't mean that they understand how multiplication works. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking multiplication, you're talking two things. You're talking times table facts and yeah. just regurgitating stuff that you've, you've known, been told, yeah. and then there's the being able to apply that knowledge and derive facts and apply it to bigger numbers as well. So, yeah.
0: So like rules and things that you can use yeah. in the real world and so on. So my final question on times tables then, can you have the latter without the former?
2: The time, the time, okay, so can tables you have not. all the,
0: the, the application stuff if you haven't got the rote learned stuff in yes. front of it? You can, yeah, yeah, okay, that's because
1: good. They, they they have understanding. Hmm. I hope so. I've so. still got some year 11s who can't do their time tables, like, maybe
0: because, <laughs> as a non maths person, um, or a non maths teacher or specialist, intuitively, it, in my mind says learn times tables. I don't know why, and, <laughs> and I think and that's our much.
1: age of growing up, and at yeah. school, yeah. it was every day there was 10 times tables, and yeah. you know you wrote them in the back of your book and all the time it was like that and if you got them wrong I remember you were saying um, when you were a child and Mm. if you got them wrong you had to stand on a desk or something for the rest of the lesson I didn't do them fast enough that was the thing so um, I was
2: asked to stand on a chair for the rest of the lesson and those sort of of things stay with you Mm. and they... they Mold you as an adult as well, so you can. So even though maths is my subject, I still have an issue about the six times table because it takes me right back to my mm-hmm. uh, junior school days.
0: There's a fear there, right? Yes, mm-hmm. there I is. Think, I think, yeah. I'm I'm that as well. Yeah. I don't I think I was naturally gifted, um, and. If that if that's sort of frowned upon, then you can self fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do it, and then I'll just go and do something else. Okay.
1: And the number of parents that would say to their children, "Oh, I'm I'm really bad at maths." Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't go around saying, "I can't read," you know, and I but can't spell to be okay to say, mm-hmm. "I'm really bad at maths." And I think changing that mindset of students is it's really important. It's amazing how many
0: people do say that, isn't I it? Know. Especially sort of our kind of age. Yeah. Oh no, I can't. I'm really bad at maths. Yeah. I was a bit guilty. I've to start of this podcast. This might be time for your Kumon question.
1: Yeah. Um, what are your views? We have a lot of students here that do after-school tuition with the Kumon program. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about it, but the way I think of it is quite rote learned. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that kind of?
2: Okay, so it is rote learned. So we've just talked about the rote learning is in terms of the times tables. It, has a, a place, if, if you like. But it doesn't help children with problem solving. It doesn't help children with uh, being able to solve sort of like logic problems or some of the bar model type of things, because all it is is, is lots and lots of calculations on the mm-hmm. page, and you will just get more and, and be faster at it. Um, I mean, awe of what some of the children can do. I'm not going to discredit it, because I think it helps some children with their confidence, but it, it's not giving you the depth and breadth of mathematics that you actually mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only one tiny element, yeah. but it does help with some children
1: with their confidence, so um, yeah. yeah. Like I was saying to James, that people think that if you want your students to get better, you just give them the same kind of calculation, but with bigger numbers. Or decimals. Think, or decimals, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's about getting away from that and yeah. seeing it from a different perspective. Yeah I think it's important. So how how do you think our parents could be helping our students? So let's say your daughter comes home or, you know, you're saying to, to Liz, what can I do to help my year five? What kind of things should parents be doing at home to support their children? Okay. Well, obviously the school will send home some sort of homework, which will give you
2: some sort of guidance into what they're covering at school. So it's always useful to have a look at that. And if there's anything that's worrying you, the best thing always to do is go and talk to the teacher rather than try and do it on your own. Um, The the other thing is that with mathematics, mathematics is a daily thing. You will be all every one of us will do something mathematical every day, whether it's what time do I need to leave the house to be in time for work or to be in time for school, or um, we need uh, to do some shopping do I have enough money to cover the things that are in my basket? So it's, it's lots of things like that. I think what parents can help the, the children with a lot is it's not just number. Um, I think a lot in, in terms of measures. So if you're doing anything back at home is in terms of cookery, um, you know, or preparing food, then anything that does grams and kilograms, litres and millilitres... Perfect, thank you. That would really help your child move forward. Um, if your child's around about year five, um, they really do need to have cracked um, time by then. No clocks, mm-hmm. quarter past should be a thing of the past. They should be thinking about timetables and things like that. And a lot of the parents uh, with children at this school will probably be doing lots of travelling and sort of datelines. I've done things like that with children in school, given them some of my flights, um, you know, and, and time zones and got them to work at, at things like that. But sort of, Hailing how do you you able to tell time would be good. And then the last one is as we're going to more towards um, debit cards and credit cards and paying for things on our phone, we're losing sight of what money is and children are losing sight about what money is as well and the value of money. Um, so giving children the opportunity to pay for things themselves and receive change or work out how much change, whether they can afford something or not afford it, um, would be really useful. Um, because that's a that's a life skill. Um, I I think you actually need to have the the coins and the notes in your hands uh, to experience that and then you can take that to an abstract later on as an adult and Mm -hmm. the bank balance. You know what I found
0: and you've just made me feel like less of a bad master, which is great. (laughs) Is my daughter, who would probably not be a super fan of having like a list of problems to solve on a piece of paper, but if, if she wants to buy the dessert at the local cafe, she wants to add that up. She mm. wants to work out how much that is. She wants to take the money. She wants to mm. get the change. Sometimes she wants to keep the change, um, and that's that seems to me intuitively really functional, effective, real world. And you know, if she doesn't continue maths in, into her older years, then at least.
1: No, yeah, she's got that things. Kind of useful And I think if you said to her, come and sit next to me, let's do ten calculations, she'd be like, no thanks, Dad, you're okay. But yeah. like you say, it's if it's in everyday life, she doesn't even know that you're doing maths with her. I, I it's really important.
0: I'm a little bit aware of time. Can I just bring Singapore maths? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Because I don't know a lot
0: about it, and I'm interested in it because for somebody who doesn't know a lot about that and just sees the BBC News reports and so on, mm. I wouldn't necessarily naturally equate Singapore maths to what we were talking about just then. Can you sort of educate me on, on what it is?
2: OK, well, Singapore maths, um, the, the way that the, the year is planned out is very different to what we've had previously. Um, so uh, a school has usually three terms. And in the past, we've usually done a few days here on a bit of place value, a few days on addition or subtraction, a few days on multiplication division. But never any block of time that's been of great value so the children get so far with it and then all of a sudden the teacher says well actually we've got to stop now because we've got to do shape and space next week or or we've got to do data handling or we, we have to stop so when that teacher comes back in the uh, the following term and they say right we're going to pick up where we're left off in addition subtraction the children hadn't really quite mastered it they hadn't quite cracked it and so what tends to happen is the teacher then has to go back several steps and then recover go over them again um, to get them there, and then the same thing happens the following term and so on. So the, the big thing about um, the uh, Singapore maths is that you uh, do things on block. So you will learn in, in, in year one through to six, the first biggest block would be place value, knowing what a digit is, right? Um, knowing its value knowing where it sits in the number system how you can compare it and then you'll start to calculate with it at a later date so things are in blocks. so you won't touch place value again you'll do place value you won't touch it again you'll do multiplication division in a big block occasionally you might come back depending on the year group but generally it's in a block the first thing that the t- children do with the teacher is um, they won't do pages and pages of calculations. What they'll do is they'll sit down, they'll use these manipulatives that we've been talking about this evening. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll use the resources and they'll talk about and they'll use the mathematical language and they'll explain how things, how the mathematics works with the resources. And the children will get a chance to do that for themselves. Then they'll work with a, a partner. If they're working with the Singapore Maths as is, with, with the, there might be some textbooks or some worksheets and then they get to work at a, an individual level and uh, see if they can do it. Now, the biggest thing with the uh, Singapore Maths is the assessment is ongoing all the time with the teachers, which isn't unusual anyway, mm-hmm. but the biggest thing for the teachers, if a child has got a problem in a, in, a, in a mastery lesson or in a Singaporean lesson, if you like, um, that you usually try and fix that misconception straight away. It's mm-hmm. not left to the next day. Right. Um, And so there's a big emphasis on what we call concrete, pictorial and abstract. So the children always work first with concrete materials. That's the resources. And then occasionally they might write things down, but in a pictorial form. So while I've been here at the school this week, we've been looking at bar modelling. And that would be very new to a lot of your parents. So bar modelling is a way of uh, representing a number or a quantity um, with a rectangle yeah and so that they, the the children can see whether they're going to uh, by drawing these bars, whether they can add or subtract it just helps them get over that initial fear i don 't know where to start mm. well, try drawing a bar and see see what happens, what do you think the numbers represent? Where do you think those bars might go? Do you need more than one bar and the children it helps them visualize it, and then the abstract is literally numbers and symbols mm. yeah
0: great um, how does that how does all this look at like the top level of the school? So when I say top, I just mean age, uh, sort of 14 to 16 to 18.
1: I would say A level, not so much. Um, we would hope by then they've gone through yeah. the other two mm. stages and they're there. Okay. I mean, there can be a time you can bring in some models and go look at this, mm. but also with the time implications of the curriculum, it's, it's more, you know, you've got to know this stuff, let's get on. Mm. Um, I use the bar modelling and I use the manipulatives with my year seven. Um, it's definitely... I had an observation the other day and the uh, observer commented how my students had a better understanding of what a fraction was and looked like compared to her class because she had to get through the stuff, whereas I spent a lot of time with the drawings and everything else. Mm. Um, and these are students who really, really struggle with their mathematics. So. Mm. You know, it was, mm. it's just amazing what a picture can do, really.
2: And you've just hit on a point there. You said you'd spent quite a long time doing it. And to, to an outsider, it feels like when you're doing these blocks of work, it seems like an awfully long time doing this and an awfully long time using the manipulatives. But it does really pay off in the mm. end, doesn't it? Children have a better understanding. What you're after here is deep conceptual understanding, yeah. not just re- learning things by rote yeah. or learning a procedure, that you understand how it works. Or even not, not
0: even learning at all yeah. you know this idea that we've got to you know we've got to get through this stuff it almost leads to the teacher saying well I've taught it so it's done
1: and it's okay because I'll do it again in year eight and yeah. it's okay because I'll do it again in year nine yeah. and it's that spiraling all the time and it's if you could nail it in the first place imagine how far we could yeah. push yeah. students the one
2: one other thing to say about the uh, mastery curriculum is that the school is is um, eight, I think about a year 18 months into um, using these approaches so children that are in, like your daughter's age group of year five and four and six, somewhere around there, the, the curriculum that they've got is, uh, is based on and written for children that have had um, this mastery from year one, year two, year three, year four. So it will take a little while for them to settle down to understand how things like the bar model Uh, works but by the time you've got into the second or third year of using this in your curriculum it'll be much better
1: Can I
0: ask how much time should be I don't know if this is possible to answer how much time should be devoted to maths on a weekly basis in a primary school
2: I mean, ideally it should be a daily maths lesson. A daily maths lesson, uh, usually in in key stage, one is is around about 45 to to 50 minutes, um, and in key stage two, about an hour. Um, I I think it needs a daily maths lesson. Um, A lot of schools are now going down the avenue of also doing five or ten minutes a day of some sort of mental maths or Mm -hmm. going over things to keep those skills sharp, and I think that's useful too. Yeah, but Great. the parents can help a lot with the, the measures and, and making it real, you know, with a, you know, when you're planning to watch a programme or you're planning a trip or yeah. something like that, just making the mathematics real. It's out there, it's everywhere. Yeah,
0: okay. Mm-hmm. Right, the air conditioning's working again, it's just a little Kerry, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, have you got any, any um, final questions?
1: I don't think, I think that was it, really, yeah.
0: I think the only other one I've got is this word, mastery. Because I think it means different things to different people, perhaps. It gets used, I've used it a lot in American education, for example. So what is mastery for you?
2: Right, well, we never master anything, Mm -hmm. ever. Uh, We're always on the journey to mastery. Um... I've had, I've had some parents uh, move children in the UK from one school to another because the school is doing a mastery curriculum, thinking that it will force their children to be better at, at maths or, or take them further because they perceive their child to be gifted uh, mm. and are severely disappointed. Mm. Um, mastery means that everybody is doing the same objective, but they will be working at different depths of understanding within the class. Okay. Um, so that to me is mastery. Um, so you're you're trying to not just just do the surface level of the understanding. You're trying to take things deeper each time, yeah. if you can. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Well, Liz, you've been very generous with your time this week, and especially coming on here. So thank you so it's much. Fine. Thank you. I mean, I'm leaving this conversation feeling quite invigorated about the whole thing. Master. Is, yeah, master. <laughs> It's going to be me from now on. Um, so really, have a safe trip home. I'm sure I too so appreciated your time. We certainly have the afternoon. Yeah, thank
1: you very much. So thank time.
0: you, Kelly, for co hosting.
1: Thank you, thank you. <laughs>